Welcome to Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark, your internet radio home for all things champions indoor football. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, as well as the director of operations of the CIF, as he brings you the news and notes, as well as player interviews, coaches, and owners of the CIF. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. All right, everybody, welcome into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio as we move into week number 14 of Champions Indoor Football 15-week season coming to an end, but it doesn't come to the end easily, I will tell you that, as the divisions slash conferences have yet to be determined on positioning. So this is a big week. It will probably sort out what's going to happen as far as where teams are going to be. It could clinch some playoff spots and things of that sort. So it's going to be an exciting week here in Champions Indoor Football as we have some great games going on as we record this show Friday night, the Ironmen are on the road taking on the Bloomington Edge in Bloomington. This is a big game for the Edge, although the Omaha Beef have the head-to-head matchup tiebreaker. The Bloomington Edge are going to be a big Sioux City Bandits fan if they get the victory here on Friday night against the Bloomington Edge because then that's going to take it down to the final week of the season, and this one could get really, really big as we move on. Uh, So it's going to be some exciting things going on in Champions Indoor Football up in the north. Right now, Sioux City's on top at 8-2, Omaha 7-3, Bloomington 6-4. The Bismarck Bucks right now, they're fighting for their playoff lives at 4-6. And And you want to talk about a team that's been decimated with key injuries at key positions? That's the Bismarck Bucks. Then the West Michigan uh, Ironmen, they are 3-8. and eight. They are kind of sitting in there battling it out for the last playoff spot. While Kansas City at 2-8 and eight and 1-10, and Salina uh, are out of the playoff race. In the South, an exciting thing going on in the South as the Dodge City Law on top at 8-2 and two, as they are sitting on the top with the 8-2 and two record, though Amarillo's right there, right behind them. Then it is the Texas Revolution at seven and three. Then the Wichita Force. They are six and four. They hold the tiebreaker over the Dallas Marshals this week. So that's why they're in the fourth position against the Dallas Marshals. So that being said, the six and four record, if one of those teams lose this week, obviously that's gonna make a change. Then Duke City, who still arrived at five and five. So six of the seven teams in the South still alive, and Syntax at 0-10 now. The Duke City Gladiators, let's be honest, they got to finish it out. But this is a team that has to see the Texas Revolution and the Dallas Marshals lose their last two games of the season. And when you look at the schedules, the Texas Revolution, they take on the Dodge City Law. You know, who knows what can happen in that game. Then the last game of the season for the Texas Revolution, they're at home taking on the Wichita Force. 
Now, that having been said, when you look at where Dallas is and what they've got, Dallas is on the road. They're taking on the Kansas City Phantom on Saturday night, and then they finish up the season at home against the Omaha Beat. So, you know, depending on what could end up happening, uh, the Duke City Gladiators, they've got an opportunity to get in there, but they've got a beat as they host the Amarillo Venom this Saturday, and then the last game of the season, they host the Dodge City Law, and they've got to get those victories. Uh, but this is indoor football, and indoor football, what can you say? Uh Anything can happen, especially in champions indoor football, as every year it's come down to the last week of the season, whether it be a team get in or, in reality, positioning who's going to have the home field advantage. All that's going to be decided here fairly quickly, whether it be this week or obviously the last week of the season. Before we jump into the playoffs, and an exciting season right now in Champions Indoor Football, an exciting season. I know with all the problems and things of that sort, it still ended up being a great season for Champions Indoor Football, as the CIF is the largest indoor football league in the country and probably next year it will be the same thing. Lots of teams knocking on the door trying to get into Champions Indoor Football so they can be a part of it. So that's going to be a big thing as we move forward into the 2018 season. So things are going to happen. Things are going to change a lot off the season. Work is going to have to be done and to, in order to get ready for the 2018 season. So we'll be talking a lot about that as we continue on for the rest of the season here on Inside the CIF. We'll have the commissioner back in. We'll be talking about some of the things that might end up happening. Some announcements could be happening in the weeks of the play. It's going to be exciting news that could be coming out here within the next month in Champions Indoor Football. Let's take a look at some of the – well, hold on. Before we do that, let's talk about our guests. Now, folks, we have had it all, okay, on Inside the CIF. We've done video. It failed. <clears throat> um, we've had players. We've had coaches. We've had owners. We've had um, the commissioner of Champions Indoor Football. We, we've done it all except one thing. And that's to bring in the fans. That's what this edition of Champions Indoor Football and Inside the CIF is all about this week. And an exciting thing that happened, it just popped in my mind. I said, let me call some of these fans in Champions Indoor Football. Let's get them online. Let's see what they think about what's going to happen. So I called up my friend up in uh, Dodge City, and uh, he couldn't do it, but he pushed me on to Frank Tank Garcia. He's going to talk a little bit about the Dodge City Law and that football squad up there. Then my friend up there in Wichita, a guy that knows a lot about the team, invited me up there and had a lot of fun with him as well as Frank You know, when I went up that way. Matthew Barnes is going to be joining us here. He is a fan of the 
the Wichita Force. So big time stuff. Then we get the Rump Roaster himself, Matt Patton for the Omaha Beef. All these guys going to be on today's show. So it's exciting. We're going to get the fan perspective. And I'm going to tell you right now, these interviews, these guys are smart. They know their teams. This is exciting. You'll like this segment here. And inside the CIF this week. Now, let's take a look at the games that are going on this week because it's an important week in Champions Indoor Football, getting down to the final two games. Again, we don't know. As we are recording this before the game, and we're publishing this on Saturday because of some of the timing of the interviews, um, but it, the West Michigan Ironmen, they're fighting for their playoff lives, as well as the Bloomington Edge, they're trying to get positioning so that one's going to be a big game. Then on Saturday, we have got six games on tap in Champions Indoor Football. Texas Revolution on the road taking on Dodge City. We talked a little bit about that. Dodge City gets the victory. They will clinch a home field advantage uh, through uh, at least one round of the playoffs. So that's a big game for them. Uh, right there in Dodge City. The Bismarck Bucks, they are fighting for their playoff lights. They need the victory, and they are on the road. They're taking on the Salina Liberty, who got their first victory of the season last week against the Bloomington Edge. So, big-time game there. Then in a game that's huge for the Dallas Marshals and their fans, they're on the road to take on the Kansas City Phantom. Kansas City 2-8, and eight, that Dallas Marshalls, six and four. They're fighting for their playoff lives right now. They are on the outside looking in as the Wichita Force has the head-to-head against them. So that puts Wichita in fourth place, the Dallas Marshalls in fifth place. So big game for Dallas. Cannot afford to drop that game. And then a game that is huge for the Duke City Gladiators as the Amarillo Venom, who are eight and two in the South, they go on the road to take on the Duke City Gladiators, who are five and five. Gladiators got to win out with a combination of the Revolution and the uh, Dallas Marshals losing their final two games in order for them to get in there. So, like I said, anything can happen in Champions Indoor Football. So that one's going to be a good one. Then the Omaha Beef. They are sending, they want positioning. They need positioning. And they need it against the Sioux City Bandits. The Sioux City Bandits, 8-2. and two. The Omaha Beef, 7-3. and three. This one's going to be a good one. Although Sioux City right now will hold the tiebreaker to this, this uh, head-to-head. They've already beaten Omaha twice. So they are really working for positioning. This victory would be big for Omaha as they move on. That having been said, then the Wichita Force, this is a football team that needs to get the victory at home against a winless Syntex Calvary team. And say whatever you want about a winless team, they got nothing to lose. So they're going to open up the playbook, and Lord knows what could end up happening out there in that game. So as Champions Indoor Football moves on, this is going to be a great week in Champions Indoor Football. Exciting stuff going on. So, Let's take a look at last week's players of the week in Champions Indoor Football and the offensive side of the ball. Donovan Portier, he is the quarterback of the 
Duke City Gladiators, he was 23 of 39, 218 yards and two touchdown passes. Could have won it the week before, but unfortunately, that was in a losing effort. Or the last time they played, let's put it that way, last time they played, that unfortunately, that was in a losing effort. So he did not win it. Defensive side of the ball, week 13 defensive player of the week comes from Wichita. It's Keenan Gibbs, as he had a big game, six tackles, two and a half sacks for 20 yards, three tackles for loss for 21 yards. And then the special teams player of the week, Greg Connery, uh, for the Sioux City Bandits at the kicking position, three of three. Uh, for field goals, eight for eight for extra points for a total of 17 points uh, on the board for him. Exciting stuff there. Things that he did in champions indoor football. And welcome back into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark. Now, folks, we have done a lot of stuff on the show, whether it be video, that bombed, uh, whether we talk to coaches, owners, players, and things like that. We haven't brought in the actual fans. Now, one thing I know about this league is as I've been going around to a lot of the stadiums around, these fans are knowledgeable. Not just knowledgeable because they're homer teams, but they know about the game. They know about who they are playing. So what we've done and what I've decided to do is go ahead and bring on uh, fans from some of the teams on this edition. I'm going to start in Omaha where we got on a guy, not only is this guy a fan and knowledgeable of the game, he also is a rump roaster. Yes, that's right, a rump roaster over there at the uh, Omaha Beach. For them is Matt Patton. How you doing, Matt? I'm good. How are you today, Sonny? Doing good, Matt. Let's talk a little bit. First of all, before we get to the the meat of it being obviously the players and teams and stuff like that. Let's start off with what you do. I'm not, I don't know if real fans of this league knows what a rump roaster is. However, that being said, let's find out in your words, what's a rump roaster. You're kind of like a, a male cheerleader in a different way. Yeah. You know, whenever people ask me what a rump roaster is, um, you know, I, I basically just tell them that we're a group of, um, male super fans that we just love the team and we do everything we can to, um, you know, get the fans pumped up and get them ready to go and let the other team know that we're there and it's loud and you're in the slaughterhouse and, and you better be ready or, or you're going to, going to get, uh, going to get a rude awakening. So. Now the run first has been around a long, a uh, long time. How, how and when did this start uh, as far as what you guys are doing right there in the slaughterhouse? You know, uh, I'm a rookie this year, so I'm not 100%, uh, you know, privy to all the information. I know it's been around for, um, I think, about 15 years or so, um, and it was just basically, you know, kind of doing what we do now. We get to go out and do some fun performances, um, dances and things like that at halftime. We get to help out with on-field promotions, um, you know, and again, like I said, just getting the fans pumped up and ready to go. So we have some guys on the team who've been on the roster for the Rump Roasters roster for about – you know, 14 or 15 years, and they really lead us, and they, you know, they help us figure out what we're supposed to do. So, well, that that being said, you, you've been around for a long time, and you know, so, uh, what, what is it like now? In order to be a rump roaster, I don't think you just walk up and ask, "Hey, can I be a rump roaster?" Is there something that they got to do in order to be a rump roaster? You know, really, um, I just went. Um, I had 
some uh, contact with a couple of the guys that were already around Prosters, and I had been a season ticket holder um, a couple different times with the Omaha Beef and just saw those guys and saw that they were having a ton of fun and, and whatnot. So I just approached the one guy that I knew on the team and said, hey, how do you get involved with this? And really it was an interview process, and then, um, and then they you know, either said yay or nay. And so luckily uh, my interview went well, and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you join the team. So. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about your team because your team is in the middle of a playoff race. They have not clinched a home field for the first round as of yet as Bloomington is chasing your guys' tail. Uh, you guys are sitting at 7-3 and three on the season. Bloomington right behind you at 6-4. and four. Uh, Both teams got two games to go for the rest of the season. You know, I, explain a little bit what you've seen so far this year for your Omaha beef. I, yeah, are, are you satisfied? I mean, I've said a before I think you might have even heard it on the show this league is much better when the Omaha beef are competitive unlike in years behind uh, years behind us yeah you know I, I agree with that completely um, I've been a fan of indoor football myself uh, since probably about 2007 um, with different leagues and different teams and such. Um, and, you know, I've watched the Omaha Beef from afar. I've watched them as a season ticket holder. Um, you know, I, this is a very talented team. Um, the thing with it is, you know, is like I said, we've got some great talent on this team. Offensively, we're still trying to hit our stride, which may sound weird with only two regular season games left that we're still trying to hit, hit, our, hit our stride. But this team by no means has reached their full potential offensively, in my opinion. Um, I mean, you know, Anthony Iannotti – we brought over from Chicago last year, um, along with some of the other guys. You know, we got Skylar Scott at wide receiver and uh, just brought back Travis Ribbing, um, who's really fun to watch. If anybody's ever seen him play, he's a bruiser-type back who lowers his shoulder and is trying to find contact instead of trying to go down. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this team offensively has – all the firepower they need, and they have the ability to uh, put points on the board when they can. They just got to find the right combination of receivers and, and game plan in order to get that done. Well, it's interesting that you talk about that because when you look at any football team, we always say the you know, success of a football team usually comes from the quarterback position. I, and when I look at the beef, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take it a step ahead. I think it's the success of your offensive line to where he can go ahead and be that guy to make the plays. It, you know, no, no offense against Ayanati, he's not like completely lighting it up. You know, he, he's throwing seven, eight touchdowns a game. He's getting a lot of help, and that starts up front. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing, you know, say what you will about, about our team and about our offensive line or whatever. I mean, there's, there's games no matter what in every level of football where the offensive line is going to struggle and there's games where they're going to be superb. But I can't really complain too much about how our offensive line is played. I mean, you look at JT, Nabity, and, and you look at, uh, we call him uh, June Bug, our center, uh, because we can't pronounce his name, so we just call him June Bug. Right. And then, and, you know, in our offensive line, I mean – yeah, you know, and I mean, I mean, I mean, our offensive line has has improved, I think, you know, greatly over the season. Um, you know, going from, you know, just it seemed like, you know, having a little bit of lack of communication to now, you know, he seems to be getting a lot of protection back there. And he may not always be able to find the open guys, you know, I mean, I know the open guys are there, but 
Ayanati's ability to run the football and find a gap to get through a line when you think, look at that, he's trying to run, there's only a yard there, and he ends up getting three to four yards, like it's amazing to me how he can do that. Now, looking at the rest of the schedule, you have the Bandits, you know, this week, today. We're doing this interview on Friday, but we're posting it on Saturday. So you got the Sioux City Bandits Saturday night. Then you got the Dallas Marshals, another team that's fighting for a position as far as the playoffs are concerned. Then you switch it over to the team that you're fighting for that home field, you know, game against, and that is the Bloomington Edge. The Bloomington Edge has West Michigan as well as the Bismarck Bucks. A little bit different as far as records are concerned. I, I would say the tougher schedule for the last two games has got to be sitting right there with Omaha, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, um, we definitely have a tough schedule. I mean, nothing's a given in this league. We we learned that when our guys traveled up to Bismarck um, earlier in the season. I mean, nothing's a given. You know, you can't sit there and expect that anybody's going to blow anybody out or anything like that. I mean, anything can happen each week. And so what our guys got to do, and, you know, from just talking to a few of them, is they know they got their heads on the right way. They got to go out there and act as if every team they're playing is – for lack of a better term, Sioux City Bandits, because that's the team that we always get the most excited for and we get the most pumped up for because that's our biggest rival. But you can't take any team for granted in this league. And, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, playing Sioux City, that's always a close game. It's always a good game, a tough game. And, unfortunately, this year they've gotten us two two times already. So we've got to get this one from them. Um, it's, it's just, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's a game we've got to win um, because we still have a lot to play for, obviously. We haven't clinched play, uh, home field for any of our games yet, but we've got a lot to play for. So um, Sioux City is a big game, but Dallas is also a big game because that's a tough road trip. Uh, you know, it's about 10 to 12 hour road trip for the guys, and and it's going to be a lot tougher than everybody thinks. I, I feel. Well, let's talk about the game against Sioux City as the Bandits are uh, coming their way. They're coming to your town. Uh, what do you think you guys got to do to get that victory? I, one of the things I know is you're going to have to have Ayanati play very well. Um, uh, but at the same time, I think you got to probably look more defense up on uh, this team in order to get the victory because Sioux City can score at any moment at any time. Yeah, we learned quickly uh, both the times that we've played Sioux City this year that they can score uh, relatively quickly. I think one of our big things is we've got to be able to make sure that we get a pass, ru- pass rush with our defensive line. You know, um, Antonio Ficklin and some of those other guys on the D-line, they've got to just you know get their pad level low and, and just fire off the ball and, and make as much of a ruckus as they can in the backfield there to try and, uh, you know, try and get uh, the, uh, you know, Genuser, I'm sorry, I don't know how to say his name, but get him uh, rattled or whatnot, you know. And then also our, our DBs, we got to they got to lock up on those receivers because you know one of the things that we can't allow to happen is allow, allow Oates and some of those other guys that they have to to beat us deep and and to get past our secondary or otherwise it's going to be a long evening. So. And that's why I was looking at Jeremiah Oates being a big part of this game. I, regardless, win or lose, um, he's going to get. He's going to be a guy that they depend upon. Uh, so definitely out there in the secondary is going to be a big spot for you. But again, we go back to the offensive line. The offensive line is going to have to protect Ionati moving into this game uh, so you can somehow figure out a way to score on that football team. And that's another thing. You're looking at that defense as far as Sioux City coming to you, probably one of the best in the league. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Sioux City is always tough every year. Uh, You know, 
no matter what, they're always going to be a team that, I mean, they're going to give us fits. Hopefully we're going to give them fits. You know, um, I don't know the exact scores of the games, but I know the last two times we've met it's been relatively close. And give or take a couple of turnovers in that game uh, in February, uh, you know, that could have swung the other way. And then, again, same thing over in uh, Omaha, you know, give or take a few close plays or a few, uh, you know, calls one way or the other, it, it could have went a whole different way. So, I mean, I think definitely the, the biggest thing is if we can secure the football and hold on to the ball, take care of it, and we've got to score and our defense has to be able to hold their offense down a little bit. One of the biggest things I know that I've looked at this year, too, is our kickoff coverage because I know both times we've played Sioux City, we've had a little bit of struggle with stopping their kickoff returns, and they've gotten the ball you know, on the 25 or, or past the 25-yard line. And any time in indoor football that you're giving the other team a small field, uh, then they're going to be able to capitalize on that relatively easy usually. So. Looking at this game, let's go ahead and call your final score in tonight uh, in tonight's game. You know, I I hate to do that. I'm not very good at that kind of thing, but I've just got a feeling. I've got a feeling that this time, uh, you know, the, our guys know what we have to do, and they know that this is a huge game. They've been talking about it, uh, you know, this week, and just we we've you know heard them talk about it, and I've talked to a few of the players, and they know they're ready to go. So, I mean, I, I'm terrible at doing score predictions, but if I had to predict one, I would go typical Sioux City and Omaha style. Uh, Omaha ends up winning it 38-35. to 38-35. In other words, playing some strong defense. That's good. good call up there. Folks, that's what we're doing here today on Inside the CIF. We're bringing in fans. Like I said, at the beginning when we started this, knowledgeable fans know their team, know the game, and no different here in Omaha as the rump roaster himself, Matt Patton, joined us here on Inside the CIF. Matt, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll catch up to you later on and uh, maybe uh, next season as well. Hey, thanks a lot. And just for the fans out there, look for Rump Roaster Hawkeye and definitely say hi. Definitely. Check them out. It's good fun. And not only that, attendance, you know, packed house up at the Slaughterhouse all the time, too, especially when they make the playoffs and things of that sort. They could even get more packed in that building. Good place to play, and it is a foundation of what I call indoor football is obviously the uh, Omaha Beef has been the longest running indoor football team out there going. So that's a cool thing. We're going to take a quick break here on Inside the CIF. We'll be right back. So let's take a look at the league leaders and champions indoor football, the CIF. Let's talk about the passing yardage and things that are going on yards per game, 240 and a half yards for Donovan Portier. He leads the league, followed by Nate Davis with 218 yards a game, followed by Rudy Johnson at 200, Chris Dixon at 183, and Jake Medlock of the Wichita Force, 171 yards per game. Now, remember, Nate Davis also sat down last week, so it'll be interesting to see where they are. Now, taking a look at passing and the touchdown passes, Donovan Portier leads the league with 50 touchdown passes, followed by Nate Davis with 49, Chris Dixon at 45, Jake Medlock, 36, and Rudy Johnson, 32 touchdown passes. Now looking at rushing for uh, the 
CIF Corey Ringer from the West Michigan Ironman leads the league with 58 yards a game. Ayanati at the quarterback position, averaging 52 yards a game from the quarterback position, uh, 52.3, in fact, followed by Michael Dyer of the Texas Revolution with 52 yards a game. Dominique Carson from the Sioux City Bandits with 43 yards a game. And then from the Bloomington Edge, Dunn, 36.6 yards a game. Rushing touchdowns, Corey Ringer right there again with the West Michigan Ironman. 28 touchdown rushes for him, Dominique Carson and Michael Dyer, both with 16, Dunn with 14, and Frank Bruno slips up in there with the Soup City Bandits at 13. Those are your top five on the offensive side of the board. Now more offense. How about receiving? Clinton Solomon leads the league 73 yards a game, followed by McKinney from the Dodge City Law with 70 yards. Get it from the Amarillo Venom with 66. Brett Bubasoff, 62.3 yards in fourth place. And then Detweiler from the Dodge City Law with 52.8 yards a game. Now touchdown receptions. Clinton Solomon leads the league with 21, followed by McKinney from Dodge City with 16. Gilbert and Soft both with 14. And then Parks from the Kansas City Phantom. He has 13. Let's look at a few of the defensive stats here in Champions Indoor Football. Top five tackles per game leading the league is Serta with an average of 10.8 tackles a game, followed by Long from the Salina Liberty with 8.7. Autry from the Sioux City Bandits, 8.6. Then Wyatt from the Dodge City Law, 8.5. That's kind of cool, Dodge City and Wyatt. Wider kind of catch on there. Frankie Solomon Jr. then in fifth position for the Texas Revolution with 7.7. Sacks out on the season. Bridges out of Sioux City with 11. And Wyatt following behind him with 8.5 out of Dodge City. And another Dodge City law player with eight sacks. That is Henderson, followed by Thickens from the Omaha Beef with 6.5. And then Daly from the Bismarck Bucks. He's got six. Those are your top five in those stats right there. Let's take a look at the uh, games where most teams have played 10. There are two teams in the league that have played 11 games. That's the West Michigan Ironmen as well as the Salina Liberty. And both teams are in action. Salina ends their uh, – uh, that. West Michigan ends their season tonight – as they take on the Bloomington Edge and Salina finishing up their season at home, they will finish their 12th game. So they will not be in action in week 12. But let's take a look at some of the stats as far as the teams are concerned in yards as far as total, you know, as far as average yards uh, for the the teams, the Amarillo Venom averaging 301 yards. They lead the league, followed by Dodge City with 294. The Revolution with 280. 273 for the Duke City Gladiators, followed by the West Michigan Ironmen with 248 yards a game. 
as far as the top five are concerned. So that is huge for them. Let's take a look at first downs. Well, let's look a few more passing stats uh, for the league as far as champions indoor football is concerned. Passing yards, 2,405 yards for the Duke City Gladiators, followed by the Duke City uh, mark that, the Dodge City Law at 2,347. The Amarillo Venom passing the ball is in third with 2,310 yards. The Revolution are in fourth with 1,863 yards. There's a big drop-off right there uh, on the yards, followed by the Western Michigan Ironman at 1,814. So total Yards uh, were big for the season. Amarillo with uh, 3,010 yards. They lead the league, followed by Dodge City with 2,944. Then the Revolution with 2,804 yards. Then the Western Michigan or West Michigan Ironman. 2,736, and then the Duke City Gladiators in fifth, 2,731 yards. So I also like to take a look at first downs because I think first downs are huge in, in the games. So let's look at those numbers, 209 first downs for Amarillo, Western West Michigan. I want to say Western Michigan because they got a Western Michigan college up there. West Michigan Ironman, 194. 191 for the Dodge City Law, followed by the Revolution with 184. And 175 tied at fifth are the Duke City Gladiators and the Sioux City Bandits. Now, how did they get those first downs? How about rushing the football? Sioux City Bandits have 94. They lead as far as first downs via the rush. Then followed by the Omaha Beef with seven, a mark to 85, 75 for the West Michigan Ironmen and the Revolution with 73, and then the Bloomington Edge in fifth place. They've gotten 70 via the rush. Via the pass, though, that is another one taking a look. The Duke City Gladiators, 141st downs through the year, followed by the Amarillo Venom with 137, 126 for the Dodge City Law, 105 for West Michigan in the Ironmen, and 103 for the Texas Revolution. Those are huge things going on right there. Now, let's take a look. Well, let's do this. We're going to take another break here. We're going to hear from another fan. We'll come back here with more stats after that. And welcome back into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark. I got on my note. We've already talked to a guy that is a big fan over there in Omaha. And now it's time to bring in another guy that knows his team inside and out. Says they might as well hire him. So maybe if the courts are listening, maybe they should hire him. I got online, big time Wichita Forts fan, Matthew Barnes. How you doing, Matthew? Pretty good, Sonny. How about yourself? 
Doing good. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your pandemonium, what you're all about, because I've known you for a while up on Facebook, got the opportunity to meet you last week, oh, a couple of weeks ago, um, up there in Wichita. But how did you go? Guys, I know your pandemonium goes back to probably the wild, I imagine. That is correct. Yeah, I, I got into it back when they were the wild. I, I went to a playoff game on a whim, and unfortunately they lost that playoff game, but I was hooked from that point on. I bought season tickets the next season, and I've been a season ticket holder for like five or six seasons now. Now, are you? Now I know you're kind of doing the tailgate a little bit with the with the fans and everything outside before the game. Um, are you doing anything else as far as the pandemonium are concerned? Are you just a guy who puts it all out there on Facebook and let everybody know that you're a fan of this game? Well, I put it out in any way that anyone will listen to me. <laughs> um, Got yeah, it. We, we hang out the dates. We do all that. Um, this year we actually started a fan club this year, and I'm uh, on the board of that. Uh, we've been getting that up and running. It's been going really well for us. called the Forge Champions Club. Um, but, yeah, Facebook, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people see me put out my little spiels every week. Um you know, this team's like a family to me. The the fans are like a family to me. It's it's really important part of my life, and it's a big deal to me. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a big part of life, I, and I know that because I've seen you on Facebook. I've talked to you. I know what kind of fan that you are and how important it is. So let's take a look at your team. This is a team that's a really kind of have to work it to make it into the playoffs. They got two games for the rest of the season. They need both of them. It starts with the Syntex Calvary here on Saturday night, an important game uh, to finish out the season for you, is which I think is the big one, which will be down here in Texas as they take on the Texas Revolution. Uh, uh, you know, a little bit of work to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, definitely not in the position we'd like to be, certainly not the position we're used to being in. Um, but I, I feel like we have every capability of doing what we need to do. But that's the thing is we just have to focus. Um, I agree with you that that game down in, against the Revolution is going to be huge, but we can't look past this week. I mean, Syntex may not have a win this season, but that makes a dangerous team in my book. They're they're going to yeah. lay it all on the line, nothing to lose. When you got a team like that, that's one that you got to look out there with Roman Taylor. Depending, will he be a quarterback? Will he be a defensive back? Will he be a wide receiver? You got to look out for him. And they've come together. They played a little bit better, um, you know, these last three to four weeks where they've actually made it kind of close against some of the other teams. So as you look at your football team, you know, stopping Roman Taylor is going to be one of the big things as far as whether or not you're going to get the victory. What else? When you take a look at the you know, Force team, what do you think they got to do in order to get the victory at home right there at Entrust Bank Arena? Well, like you said, you know, the defense, obviously, that's where it starts. It's kind of always been that way for us. We're we're a defensive-focused team. I'm pretty sure the last thing I looked at, I saw we had the fewest points allowed this season, so that's huge. Um, but we also got to put points on the board, and that starts with my main man, Jake Medlock, at quarterback, uh, just getting out there and running the show, making things happen. Uh, he's played really well here the last, you know, several games. This win streak we've gotten on since the bye week, and – that's going to be a huge part of it. I mean, 
our guys are going to catch the balls that they need to catch. I have confidence in those guys, and, and he's going to put it where it needs to be. Um, but then, you know, also you got Tyler Bassett running back. I mean, the kid's a stud, no question about it. And you get him in the open field, and he can be real dangerous. So we we got to, you know, we keep teams honest that way, and I think that's going to be our keys to success. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, only giving up 397 points in the 10 games that are allowed, an average of 39.7. It's a good thing that math was easy because they just did it in my head. But you're right. You started out on the defensive side of the ball, and stops are big, and especially towards the end of the game. And even though you've got a Syntax Calvary team that hasn't got a victory, the only team within the league that hasn't had it, which does make them dangerous even more because they haven't won a game. Um, but that being said, when you got a team where you should dominate, teams have a, a habit of playing down to their uh, their competition. I think stops are, you know, towards the end of the game are going to be big in this one. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, I think our guys are in the right mindset. I feel like they know we have to have these wins. So I look forward to going out and seeing them put on a show tomorrow night. That's what I expect from these guys, and I think they're going to deliver. Um, like I said, they know we have to have these, so I, I don't expect to see any laying off the gas. Well, let's take a look at the CIF as a whole since I got you online. This one this one is big as where, where they are in the standings. The Wichita Force right now, 6-4. and four. They actually have the tiebreaker over the Dallas Marshals and are sitting in the fourth-place position. They have to maintain that by getting at least this victory and, and a loss from somebody else, that obviously being Dallas. If they take the loss, they pretty much set themselves right in. Um, if not, they're going to go to next week before they end up clinching up a playoff spot. Uh, this division, the South Division, is set. Duke City is actually still alive. You know, six of the seven teams that are still alive in this conference in the South it makes for a very interesting end of the season, don't you think? Oh, no question about it. The South Division is stacked. I mean. It, you got Dodge, you got Amarillo, you got Duke, you got Dallas, you got us. I mean, it's there, there's a lot of talent out there. There's a lot of hard-fought games still to be had this season. It's going to be a wild finish. I'm really excited to see how it all turns out. Hopefully, you know, my guys are going to do what we need to do and, and get us into that postseason so we can make a little noise. Making a little noise is what you need to do. If um, the things work out the way that it works out, this could be a, a run. It, it's amazing how champions indoor football has set themselves up towards the end of the season. And it's rocket at the end of the year, every year, at least for the last two years before this one. So moving into this one, you're, you're, you're sitting there set. Um, as far as, but let's look at Syntex. What, what do you think offensively? Your offensive line has been playing outstanding this season, but what do you think they have to do offensively to get the, get, get the job done? Um, for us, like I said, it starts with, with Jake taking care of the ball, which he's done all season. I think he's only had like six or seven interceptions, which is pretty good. I mean, we, there's a lot of good defensive backs in this league, so you always have to be aware of those guys. Um, and then, you know, we're going we're gonna to do our jobs running the ball, keeping them honest, and, and not letting the guys, you know, just pin their ears back and come after Jake. So we're going to have to be aware of Tyler, no question. I mean, you got 
Bubba Soft, you got Clarence Anderson, I mean, D.A. Allen, that's a pretty outstanding receiving core in my book. And like you said, the offensive line has been doing great, keeping everybody out of the backfield as much as possible. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. You know, we've really come together here towards the end of this season, and, and we're looking to, to really make an impact and remind people that we are the defending champions. I think that's the huge thing when you look at where your team is at now and what they got to do to win. This is what champions got to do to win. If they get into the situation with the slow start that they had at the beginning of the year, but close it out like they're supposed to and make some more of that force, you know, no pun intended, going into the playoffs. So having momentum going into the playoffs and momentum in this game, I think sometimes it's more than what what the NFL or any uh, college football has to do. I think momentum is a big part of this game. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You can't, uh, you know, if you get up, you got to stay up. You cannot back off because you've seen it as many times as I have, how quickly a game can turn around and points can come in buckets real darn quick. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Let's take a look at your team as far as what do you think? Are there any teams that you think that you know, are players that should get any awards this year? As This year we're announcing awards uh, uh, in, during the playoffs. Uh, who would you like to see, uh, you know, offensively, de- defensively, or special teams for your team to grab up one of those honors? Well, you know, offensive side of the ball, like I said, Jake has done really good. I'm not sure on his touchdown stats, but his interception to touchdown ratio has been really good. That's always a plus. Um, as far as our receivers, you know, Bubba Al- or Bubba Soft is one of the surest handed guys in the league. Yep. And you can in the open field and watch out because he'll either jump over you or run over you. Um, and then defensive, you know, we got a, we have a lot of new faces, but Keenan Gibbs is one that's just been a monster. He's been a terror in the backfield. I guarantee you. Yep, he He's been fantastic. And, of course, Jason Catchings, you know, <laughs> he's a man. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> I, I have I've been I thought he should have got defensive player last year. In fact, that was the one I would have voted for if I actually had one that counted. Um, so I was looking at Jason Catchings, and, and he's still a guy a guy that's an indoor veteran, kind of delivering year in year out, whether it be the CIF, IFL, or even at the times when he's had the little stints in the NFL. Yeah, he's fantastic, and also we can't forget about your buddy McKendrick Harper. Uh, I believe Absolutely. he's going for career interception number 57 now, uh, which is something like that. He, he is one that we interviewed him. He is that guy that is that thorn in the side, the one that gives Sonny Clark nightmares, you know, right with the last play of the game when the uh, Texas Revolution were the Allen Wranglers and they snatched one away at the Allen Event Center in the playoffs. And that one still gives me nightmares. And I think the problem with that one is I called it, and it was it, was, it, it just took my breath away. If you listen to the playback of that, you, you heard it go right out of, my, out of my body. It was amazing. So, yeah, McKendrick Harper is definitely one of those guys that, that you know, if you forget about him and you sleep on him, that would be the biggest mistake you made as a team. Exactly. So, well, folks, now, as we are doing our fan uh, interaction, this is Matthew Barnes, a big fan up there in Wichita. Matthew, I'd like to thank you for joining us a little bit time here on Inside the CIF, man. 
Thanks for having me, man. You betcha. And folks, when we come back, let's take a look at some of the other steps that are going on in Champions Indoor Football as we are on that bus to the playoffs. And it doesn't get any more exciting than any other football league except Champions Indoor Football. We'll be right back here on Inside the CIF. All right, let's talk a little more staff and the defensive side of the ball. Let's do that. Let's start with the sacks per the teams. The top five for sacks in the season are the Bloomington Edge with 24-21-4. The Dodge City Law, Duke City with 18-18 for Sioux City. And then there's a, a tie, more marked at Omaha Beef. They are right there with 17 and then with 15 the texas revolution and the wichita four so we got six teams right there in the top five so that is huge out on the football field for the defensive side of the ball now how about defensive touchdowns that's a big stat and the same teams that are right there on the top are the ones are right there two teams with five the Dodge City Law and the Duke City Gladiators, followed by four with Sioux City. Then the Texas Revolution have two, and then there's a bunch at two after that. Let's talk about those. The Amarillo Venom, Bismarck Bucks, the Bloomington Edge, the Calvary, Omaha Beef, and Salina Liberty on the defensive side of the ball. So those are the top five with the ties and everything on there. How about fumble recoveries? That's, a, that's just being aware of where the ball is on the ground. The Salina Liberty with 21 fumble recoveries. That's a big number uh, because the next number is 13. That's the Duke City Gladiators. Then the Dallas Marshals with 12 fumble recoveries along with the Omaha Beef. And then the Texas Revolution with 11. Then two teams at 10, that being the Dodge City Law and the Syntex Calvary. That's the top five uh, for that. Now, let's take a look at uh, some other things. And I love this. If you whip the opportunity, get over to the stats page up on Champions Indoor Football and their website. So that is huge. So let's talk about the... Uh, some other numbers out there as far as that's concerned for the defensive side of the ball because the defense has a lot of stats, and I like looking at those. So more things on the interceptions are a big number. Let's go to the Dallas Marshals. They have 20 picks through the air. The Dodge City Law have 16. Two teams are tied at 15. That would be the Amarillo Venom and the Centex Calvary, and then – There are many teams at 12. Let's go through that number right there. The Bloomington Edge, the Omaha Beef, Sioux City Bandits, Texas Revolution, and the Wichita Force, all with 12. That rounds out the top five on there. So let's talk about some other things out on the football field. The yardage after interceptions, those are big numbers. I like looking at yardage after the interceptions. Let's go back to that, the 20 that the – Marshals have 218 yards. The Texas Revolution with 198 yards with the 12 interceptions. The yards, 182 after 15 picks for the Amarillo Venom. Then the Duke City Gladiators with 181 yards after 11 picks. 
and then rounding up 171 in fifth place with the 16 picks from the Duke City Gladiators. So I like looking, the numbers are really fascinating to me uh, as far as that is concerned. Now, special teams are important. Let's talk about the kickoff returns and the yardage that are out there um, leading the league are the Syntex Calvaries with 92 kick returns with 1,519 yards, followed by the Salina Liberty with 78 uh, kickoff returns for 1,380 yards. The Revolution, 64 kickoff returns for 1,336 yards, followed by the Dodge City Law with 77 returns, 1,220 yards, and then in fifth position, the West Michigan Ironmen, 65 returns, 1,142 yards. So now the kickoff averages, the Revolution lead the league with 20.9 yards, followed by 17.7 with the Salina Liberty, the West Michigan Ironmen with 17.6, then 16.9 for the Sioux City Bandits, and then the Syntex Calvary with 16.5. Uh, that's your top five in the uh, kickoff returns. Now, I like looking at the conversions at, on third down because those numbers are important, especially keeping the drive alive. The Texas Revolution and the Dodge City Law lead the league on third down percentage at 53. The Wich, uh, mark that, the Duke City Gladiators at 51. Wichita Force at 49, 47% on third down for the Amarillo Venom. Now, another one, looking at the numbers on fourth down, the fourth down percentage going for it on fourth down, 70% of the time the Amarillo Venom will get that first down, followed by the Omaha Beef at 65 with 62, with Sioux City and the Bloomington Edge 57, then the Dodge City Law. They are sitting comfortably there at the 52% mark. So now... Looking at the numbers on the main first downs, Amarillo 16 of 23, 15 of 31 for the Bismarck Bucks, 15 of 29 for the Dodge City Law, 15 of 36 for the Kansas City Phantom, and the Bloomington Edge 13 of 23. So looking at those numbers there, Huge numbers. Again, folks, if you want to find out some stats that are happening out on the football field, you can jump on the website, go up underneath stats, and then you can see the, the teams, the schedule, the statistics, and then the standings and all that all right up underneath there in the stats. So a lot of fun things that you can do on the website. So check it out. It's quite exciting to see where your teams are uh, at this time of the year and seeing where they're winning games. And you can follow that through the stats. You can also follow all the team stats. If you're just concerned about one team, you can click on that team and find out all the stats that you need to know whether it's the Amarillo Venom, the Wichita Force, the Sioux City Bandits, or you know, where, the Omaha Beef, wherever you want to check it out. So uh, get online and check those out. So now what we're going to do, let's hear from some other fans out there. Let's bring in our next fan interview. Oh. 
And welcome back into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark, as we are here talking to fans. I mean, we, we've talked to owners, we've talked to coaches, we've talked to everybody else, the players, and, you know, and did video. Uh, this time I wanted to get the fans' perspective on what's going on is we are moving into an incredible playoff season as it's been for the last two years in Champions Indoor Football. Let's let's focus in a little bit on the Dodge City Law. I'm on the line with Frank. Tank Garcia, how are you doing, Frank? Doing pretty good, Tony. How about yourself? Doing good. Let's talk a little bit about you and what you're all about. How did you become a fan of of indoor football, i.e. the Dodge City Law, right up there in in Dodge City? I know you don't live in Dodge City. You actually got to travel to see these games. Yeah. Um, well, I used to watch a lot of the uh, arena football on TV, you know, they'll show it like on the NFL Network. And uh, I came across a post on Facebook a couple of years ago saying that they're laying down turf there at the United Wireless Arena in, in Dodge. And uh, I was like, really, in arena football in Dodge City doesn't seem like it'd be a big enough city for it. But uh, I went and checked out a game a couple years ago. It was against the uh, Lincoln Haymakers, and they drew a big crowd. I was surprised because, you know, it seems like it'd be kind of new around this area. And... Uh, Ever since then, I've been a fan, and I've I've loved the game, and I've looked up more into it, and I seem to know, or I like to think I like to know I know a lot about it. So taking a look at your football team now, before you even get started, you've got two distractions, okay? Just so people that know don't don't know about Dodge City, they got a casino up there now. Do you, do you get caught up? Do you go? and visit the casino before you go to a game? Or do you go to the second distraction, which is the tailgate, which, by the way, I've been to a lot of tailgates in, in indoor football. By far, you guys have got the best. Yeah, I like to go and join the rest of the uh, law fans there before the game and tailgate with them right outside the arena. And, you know, we sit there, have a good time, talk about the game and kick back right before the game or the arena doors open. So no distraction from the casino. You're not you're not a big time into the casino portion of it. Mm, no, not really. Got it. All right, cool. All right, let's take a look at your football team as you, they are sitting there on top in reality in the South Conference with a record of eight and two, like you said, you know, this is a football team that has played well all year long, only dropped a couple of games. Let's take a look at your, you got the Texas Revolution coming into your place. This one's going to be a tough one as the last game, well, the game that I was up at where they took on the Dodge, or actually the Duke City Gladiators, that was a dog fight to the end. Are you kind of thinking about the same thing when you got the Texas Revolution coming into town? Oh, yeah, most definitely. The past couple of years that they played the Texas Revolution there in Dodge, it was a high-scoring game, lots of action, came down to the wire. I remember the first year uh, – they Dodge City had scored, I think, with like a, I want to say 20 seconds. I correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, and then the Texas Revolution got the ball back and got a decent return, and uh, the last play of the game was to, in the end zone, and 
luckily for Dog City there, DB was there and knocked the ball out, and that was it. And uh, last season, I know the game was high scoring as well, and it was just kind of like a back and forth type of game. So with this one, I'm expecting it to be the same thing as you know high scoring and nonstop. Let's take a look at the strengths. Now, we know about what the Texas Revolution can do with the Hall of Famer in the IFL, Chris Dixon at the quarterback. Maybe not having the season that – well, not maybe. This is not the season that he would have been like having as far as his stats and obviously with the wins where they are so far in the season. That having been said, as they move further into the season – that, that's a guy that you pretty much have got to plan for regardless because he can burn you at any given second. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I I didn't know much about uh, Chris Dixon until the revolution signed him. And, uh, you know, they made a big, uh, I guess, con- news conference about it. And uh, I, I kind of looked into him and, you know, seeing the stuff that he put up in the IFL and stuff like that and, seeing that he was actually in the IFL Hall of Fame, uh, I was like, holy cow, you know, he plays Dodge twice, you know, so it's going to be tough to hold this guy down. And, you know, first game came back and beat Dodge City. And this game I'm kind of hoping that they, you know, learn from the last game and hopefully can shut him down this Saturday. Looking at your football team, you've had some uh, losses on your team. You've got a young guy who can, who's electric with the ball at, at the running back position as well. Let's talk a little bit about some of the guys that you know of. When you take a look at your football team, what excites you about the offensive side of the ball? Uh, what excites me is that uh, we got a, a great guy at quarterback with Rudy Johnson who can run the ball, pass the ball, and you know, especially whenever it comes into tight situations, you know, uh, we can depend on him to, you know, take off with it when needed if no one's open and stuff like that. And uh, it seems like he's got great chemistry with uh, Brandon McKinney, the wide receiver. seems like he seems to go to him a lot. And uh, Brandon Vinson, of course, when we're down in the red zone. And, uh, you know, that I just – I love watching him play and – you know, seeing what he can do out on the field. Looking at your football team, I know defensively this is a team that sometimes will give up in a big play but always finds a way to get back into it and prevents it. So if they give up the big play, they're able to get back into it. What do you like about the the defense of this football team? What I love about this defense is, like, it, it seems – this year, especially with uh, Coach O'Neill coming in, and I heard he was a, a great pickup and he's a great defensive coach. Uh, and I've seen that this year because I've been to come this Saturday. I've been to every regular season uh, home game for the Dodge City Law. And just to seeing that uh, our line can, our defensive line can bust through their own line. Our linebackers are getting through. The cornerbacks are shutting down the receivers. And I, I just, I love what the defense has been doing, especially uh, Tyrell Green and Tuff Johnson. Those guys, I, I love talking to those guys when I'm there at the game, seeing them just do work and shut down the receivers. 
looking at your football team now, we talked a little bit about Chris Dixon, you know, as far as got to be able to stop him uh, offensively. What do you think they're going to get the job done? Is it going to be through the air or on the ground? Um, I'm going to think more through the air. Uh, not, not not to take away from the run game, but I, I think they'd be able to get more points through the air because, uh, you know, with – uh, McKinney and Vinton seem to always be open. Uh, yeah, and Rudy being able to find the open receiver, uh, I feel like they'd be more effective through the air. Well, let's take a look at it. Let's let's find out what you think. Who you think is going to get the victory here as the Texas Revolution go up there? I know you're going to go Dodge City, but what do you think the score is going to end up before this one's all over with? Score, guess the final score. Uh, I can't really guess the final score, but I know since the pa- for the past couple of games, it's going to be high scoring. I'm going to guess probably in the 90s, at least for both teams, if not low 90s, high 80s. So it's a, w- a win by a touchdown, win by a field goal, combination of both, or do you think that city gets the victory? Uh, I think... I think Dodge City is going to get the victory by a touchdown, and I feel like the game's going to end like the, like it has the past couple of years with Revolution with the ball last and just them being shut down last second. Not being able to get the job done. That's one thing that they got to do up on the road. A big game up in Dodge City for the Texas Revolution because of the standings. I mean, you look at the standings in Champions Indoor Football, it's one of the exciting times of the year as we get down to the end. And this year is no different. Dodge City up on top with an 8-2 record. The Texas Revolution would like to uh, knock them down to 8-3. and three. If they get the victory, they'd be tied with them with that number and hold off quite possibly the first place position. Uh, They would take over the first place position with a win against Dodge City. So an exciting time of the year. Now let's take a look at the three and four spots. I mean, how do you think the rest of the South division ends up? I'm sure you've got Dodge City in the playoffs, maybe Amarillo, Texas. Who's going to hold down that fourth spot? Will it be Dallas? Will it be Wichita? Will it be Duke City? Uh, I think I think Wichita will come back and uh, sneak their way into it. I mean, seeing seeing Wichita play twice this year uh, against Dodge and Dodge City, and I even traveled to Wichita to watch them play. Two very different games, you know. Uh, yep. One uh, Dodge came whenever they played in Dodge. Dodge dominated Wichita, I and mean, then we go into their house, and Wichita just blew us out of the water it was it was really a a real different game so i'm thinking with the coaching that wichita has and uh i i seen that uh paco's a a good coach for them offensively he uh i I think wichita's going to get in there at the number four spot they're holding on to the fourth position with the tiebreaker over the Dallas Marshals, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, Frank, like, thank you for your time as a Dodge City Law fan. We're going to try to do this a little bit more um, as the playoffs go, try to grab a fan here and there, uh, get you up online. Thanks for your time, my friend. Thank you for having me, Sonny. And that's going to do it for this edition of Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark. 
Don't forget about week number 17. Let's go over the schedule on week 17 before we get out of here. Next week, the Wichita Force are in Texas to take on the Revolution. The Sioux City Bandits take on the Kansas City Phantom in Kansas City. As the Bismarck Bucks, they host the Bloomington Edge. The Syntex Calvary go on the road to finish up the season with the Amarillo Venom. The Omaha Beef take on the Dallas Marshals. And then next week, the Dodge City Raw go on the road to take on the Duke City Gladiators. Should be an exciting weekend, week 17. Um, I'm not going to any games this week, but the last week I'm going to the Revolution game on Friday night. Then Saturday night, I'm going to go over and watch the Omaha Beef take on the Dallas Marshals. If you get the opportunity, get out to the games. This is an exciting time of the season. So get out there and check out your Champions Indoor Football League team. More uh, inside the CIF is going to be going through through the rest of the season as well as through the playoffs. So we'll be doing a lot of coverage of the eight teams that make it in the playoffs as the rest of the season moves on and we move into the playoffs. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio. Everybody have a great week 14 out there. Check you next week. Bye-bye.